0: Welcome to the Album Nerds Podcast with your
1: hosts, Andy, Don, and Dude. Summer, summer, summer time. Here we are. It's the Album Nerds Podcast. I'm Dude. I got Andy and Don with me. Andy, how you doing, my friend?
2: Doing good, buddy. Yeah, just sitting here uh, wearing my baggies and my bushy, bushy blonde hairdo.
1: <sighs> what are baggies? <laughs> it's my little uh, surf shorts, man. Ah, Ah, gotcha. Filled with water sometimes, and they get a little saggy. Listen to Captain Geech and the Shrimp Shack Shooters, I hope. Don, how you doing, my man?
0: Uh, You know, surviving those lazy, hazy, crazy days of of summer. Summer, yeah. (laughs) So, yeah,
1: this is the Album Nerds Podcast, and we have a great show for you today, and we will be discussing songs of summer and summertime albums. So, we'll each be talking about one of those records today, and we'll be answering a question talking about what we learned, and then, of course, spinning the wheel of musical destiny at the end of the show to find out what kind of albums we'll talk about next time. So why don't we get into that summer, summer, summer time.
0: That's what I'm talking about! Perhaps the first attempt at connecting music with the summer months was Concerto Number 2 of Vivaldi's ah, yes. The Four Seasons. Oh, wow, I, I thought that, too, immediately yeah. when the topic came up. Yes, Preach mm. Professor. Yeah. Go. Of course, both uh, Gershwin and DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince have songs called Summertime. Other songs might just sonically or rhythmically uh, complement higher temperatures and outdoor activities. Uh, and there's also songs or albums that just happen to be in our lives during summertime. So today, each of us will present an album that we associate with summer. So yeah, this is pretty open to
1: interpretation I mean you could look for things that have summer in the title you could look for things that were released in the summer but it's really more about feel and memory and stuff maybe at least in my case that I enjoyed during summer months Soundgarden Super Unknown Stone Temple Pilots Core those were albums I remember in summer of 93 and 4 really being into Beach Boys Pet Sounds cause Beach Boys, Run DMC Raising Hell I just didn't have enough time to dig in I would really like to pick that one because that was a summer album for me when i was young but the adult version needs a chance uh but foo fighters cindy lopper brian adams i mean but enough foo on this show guys <laughs> how'd you do <laughs> yeah definitely a broad
2: topic listen to some beach boys as well some donna summer kind of had to Summertime! Get her in there somehow <laughs> uh, the kinks Love me some good kinks. Um, Bob Marley. Discovered a pretty interesting jazz record from Lonnie Liston Smith and the Cosmic Echoes. But it was like almost two hours long, so I couldn't really do that to you guys.
1: (laughs) Although we should have the time to lay on the beach and listen to it in the summertime.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Maybe next summer. We'll start a little bit earlier.
0: With with summer, I... I tend to gravitate towards sort of Americana sounding things, yeah. you know, so Working Men's Dead uh, from The Grateful Dead, uh, also uh, American Beauty, a couple of R.E.M. albums, their debut LP, uh, Murmur, uh, along with the record uh, I'm discussing today, for some reason, Duran Duran Rio has always been kind of a, a summer record for me. And maybe it was just because of the videos were all set yeah. in like Sri Lanka or, yeah, or whatever. Water. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. It's time to choose. You
2: choo choo choose me?
0: <laughs> Our next guests are a peppy power pop quartet whose self titled debut CD has sold over two million copies. I'm not scared of them. Ladies and gentlemen, here they are Weezer.
1: If David Letterman ain't scared of you, then you're not doing it right as a rock and roll band, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs>
2: Oh, that's right, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going with Weezer's self titled debut record, aka The Blue Album. Let's play the debut single, Undone, I think aka I The Sweater
1: Song.
0: The bass line on that sounds like uh, the Pixies bleed. Mm. Yeah, it's almost it's almost identical. Lots of pixies, similarities.
1: I mean that song's v- always been very moving and, and kinda of tough to listen to because it, as a as a young man, when someone does actually pull at the threads of your sweater and destroys it, there's nothing worse. Nothing worse. I yeah. gonna,
0: Could get caught on somebody's watch, you know, to ever have that happen? Yeah, oh, I know. oh my god,
1: I know. That's my worst nightmare is my sweater being destroyed. It's pretty pretty emotional. Pretty yeah. uh, pretty tragic event for any young man. So Weezer is a
2: four-piece group from Los Angeles, California. There was a lineup change as they were recording this record. The original guitarist Jason Cropper was replaced by Brian Bell, who would go on to become a full-time member of the band. I believe that four-member group is still the same today. The record is known for its mixing of loud and quiet guitar parts. And uh, interesting little tidbit, they practiced singing barbershop quartet style in preparation for the record that shines through. They wear the hats and the striped shirts and stuff? Because that'd be pretty <laughs> sweet. I can totally picture them doing that, yeah. <laughs> uh, my three words to describe this record are I'll take my board tying into the summer theme. I always think about you know, like surfing and, and skateboarding, listen to this record. That was kind of what I was into. More skateboarding than surfing at the time this record came out and uh, how I'd usually spend my summers. And that's kind of what I remember this record being about. And uh, yeah, I think it holds up pretty nicely. I almost enjoy this more nowadays than I did when I was a youngster when it came out. Why don't we play another cut from the record? This is The World Has Turned and Left Me Here. I was
0: That one has simple lyrics, uh, seemingly about lost love, um, has a nice, nice little melody. Um, but you know, it's got those kind of hard driving guitars, uh, behind it, which I think is, you know, characteristic of, of most of, uh, most of the album. I did find like that song interesting, like at the end, all of a sudden he's says you know do you believe what i sing now and so i don't know if he's talking to the listener like you know do you believe what i'm you know what i'm saying or yeah to like convince you sort of yeah and so that the the three words i, I chose uh to describe the album are tongue in cheek so with these guys i never really know if they're being serious or not right, like the sweater song yeah <laughs> yeah i always wondered if they were kind of a parody of you know maybe like the punk and the maybe some of the grunge that w- was out at the time it almost seemed kind of like a reaction against maybe some of the you know some of the grunge M- there's a sense of humor there um, mm-hmm. you know that isn't there with with Pearl Jam and, and and Soundgarden and I guess that appeals to me actually I mean it reminds me of artists like the Kinks or Robin Hitchcock or, or Warren Zevon who are, who are kind of introducing humor to otherwise kind of serious sounding music
2: yeah I know at the, at the Time that this was coming out, it was you know the height of the grunge movement, and a lot of those bands and those fans were very much
1: rejected that
2: sort of silliness in the music.
1: Yeah, I did not like Weezer. I was like, <laughs> yeah. look like leave it to beaver cast members.
2: Yeah, they're very nerdy nerdy looking, obviously, and uh the lyrics are a little bit nerdy and goofy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They weren't grungy enough. And then the involvement of the producer rick Kasich at the time to me, I was like the eighties guy. The weird right. 80s guy,
0: really? The Cars guy? He's their producer? I mean...
2: Yeah, we just killed that sound. Now we're bringing it back.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this album is... Uh, right? It's just kind of simple pop rock, you know? And it's it's melodic. It's pleasing to the ear. But it also has just a, a driving energy uh, behind it. You know, so there's a, a little bit of edge. So, I mean, there's not much to... Dislike about the album, you know it's it, uh, it, it's good, and I even like I like that final track. I think It's called Only in Dreams. Um, that kind of has that that crescendo, similar to what the sweater song does. But I like that they they throw in like a little eight minute epic, you know, um, after all these you know kind of four minute pop songs.
2: Yeah, I think that's a really strong track on the record as well, and probably my favorite. Listening back on it. All right, well, let me listen to another cut from the record. This is a little bit of one of the other big singles. Say it ain't so.
1: say it ain't so that song changed my mind about them at the time uh it was intense it had the the loud soft that they had been doing but it wasn't silly like the buddy holly thing i mean i i appreciated the video for the buddy holly song because it had happy days in it and that was a show i grew up watching as a kid and they were playing off of that nerd Thing, but this song um, being about turmoil and grappling with personal demons and rivers, um, family life potentially, alcoholic parent, but it's emotional, it's real and gritty, and that's what my grunge mind was looking for at the time. So, and I I, really, I like the intensity of of that yeah. build up, you know, mm-hmm. like father, stepfather, and all that. So the three words I used to describe this album: lockers to stages. So these guys were having their Buns taped up and thrown into lockers, most likely, uh, <laughs> throughout high school. <laughs> Probably. And then they took that kind of nerd energy and, uh, somehow came out with this. This thing that spoke to a lot of people, maybe people that were fatigued of the intensity of grunge and wanted that same sound, but with a little less pressure of it meaning something. So maybe that was the appeal because people were into this and I didn't like it because it was the beginning of that period where my stuff was fading out. It happens way faster than you think, you know. (laughs) Uh, there's maybe a two-year window a couple years yeah and and
0: it it paved the way for blink 182
1: (laughs) it probably uh, it did it did
0: yeah (laughs) totally yeah yeah um one thing
2: that weezer often talks about is their like metal roots and you know especially in like some of their later records they would really lean into that side of their background did you feel like they have enough metal edge for you dude (laughs) to uh satisfy that
1: itch no no it's gonna. It's like hard rock at their hardest zenith. It's never metally to me. I think it's Rivers Cuomo's vocals don't go there in a, in a yeah. way that feel metally. One thing I will give them is a lot of what they do is fan service. And in this day and age, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, you got to feed your bass because the landscape is different. You're not going to, you're not getting on radio and winning new fans. So if they say, hey, we want to hear Toto's Africa, you freaking do it. And then you put out a cover album with a bunch of 80s songs and stuff, you know? (laughs) Mm
2: Yeah, they are experts at, at marketing themselves for sure.
1: Well, they're a bunch of aren't, didn't they all go to Ivy League colleges or something? So,
2: <laughs> I think Rivers went to Harvard. Not sure.
1: So yeah, I mean, I guess you could call it uh, three words could be smart guy grunge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, as far as the as far as the summer thing goes, I consider this like you know we could say is it is it summer or is it a bummer this is summer for <laughs> sure i remember it coming out in the summer it feels that way and it just it sounds like beach music you know yeah both undone
2: and say it Ain't so were released kind of peak summer 94 and 95 so yeah definitely had its its impact on the warm months in the u.s yeah so that is weezer and our self-titled debut blue record
0: i'm good enough i'm smart enough and doggone it people like me
1: If you're enjoying the show, and we hope you are Do us a solid and leave a review on Apple Podcasts Or your favorite podcast app Maybe we made you laugh, or you discovered an album you enjoy Leaving a review keeps the show going And helps other music fans find us With their
0: blend of glamour and art school eccentricities Roxy Music, the British band led by Brian Ferry Would blur the boundaries of rock music (laughs) My pick for uh, a summertime record Is Roxy Music's Avalon uh, Released in May 1982 Uh, Let's hear the title track Avalon
1: (laughs) If you love sitting on the beach And crying and crying uncontrollably (laughs) Oh come on! It has definitely has a summer
2: vibe. You can kind of feel the waves yeah. lapping against your legs there. Tears <laughs> <You're laughs> yes. streaming down your,
0: your <laughs>
1: exactly.
0: <laughs> uh, so Avalon is is uh, re- refers to a, a mythical island featured in uh, the story of King Arthur. Those Brits just love this King Arthur story. And so yeah, it's it's a place of magic where King Arthur's sword Excalibur was made, and later uh, I guess fairies took him there when when he died or, or something. Brian Fairy. Oh, I never I didn't. Mm. Oh. Nice. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, so that one, uh, I, I think that is maybe a good illustration of, of why it feels summertimey to me. You know, it's, kind of, it's very chill. It kind of has an island vibe. I, I don't know if it's kind of the, the percussion there played by uh, Jimmy Mallon. But, the you know, the album is just... Uh, it's just very very smooth. Also, the the end of that track has a vocal performance from a Haitian singer called uh, Yannick Etienne, but she does some kind of interesting vocal stuff at, at the end, kind of non traditional sounding. Avalon is the eighth and final album by Roxy Music, who were formed in England in 1970. The band at this point uh, was now just a, a three piece. So again, you know, features singer songwriter and keyboardist Brian Ferry guitarist Phil Manzanera uh, and saxophonist Andy Mackay. So we had featured Andy Mackay when we did that Sax Appeal episode and I was mispronouncing his name. I was calling him Mackay, but it is it is Mackay. Ooh. Even when you don't do the British accent, it's still Mackay. <laughs> but yeah, so they're just a three piece, but now, you know, they've got all these uh, great musicians surrounding them in the studio. The three words I chose to describe the album are new wave yacht. So, yeah. you know, re- yeah. kind of returning to this uh, yacht rock Genre. Uh, I think they did a you know a really good job with it. You know, it's it's smooth, it's mature, but I, I guess it's un- unlike Roxy music. Where, you know, their their early stuff. You know, they were very progressive and glam. You know, a lot of their stuff was you know challenging to the ear. There's really nothing challenging um, you know in that way. Okay, well let's uh, let's hear more. Uh, here's a song called "The Main Thing."
1: For me, or you can put your Kleenex away and enjoy this song on the on the record. It's dancey in a subdued way. Uh, it's a good example of what the album is about. Very polished, perfectly recorded, cinematic because the album is very cinematic feeling to me. And the lyrics in this case are kind of an afterthought. I feel like it. it, it there's not much. It's a short song. Maybe that's what drew me to it. And the keyboard work is great. I like that kind of percolating vibe underneath, and the vocal breaks are, are well-placed. So it's just a well-constructed, simple yet interesting track that I kept coming back to. Um, Apparently they recorded most of the drums in a like seventy five foot stairwell mm-hmm. I read somewhere. Is that true, Don? Uh yeah. According to the to the Wikipedia. Okay. <laughs> uh but this is the song that pops the most and has the most summertime energy for my money. Uh the three words I use to describe the album are midlife summers. <laughs> so Brian Ferry at this point was late thirties. It feels like a little bit of that sort of I'm a adult now. In the case of an 80s rock star, I got to pop my collar, <laughs> put on my neon sunglasses, and go sit at the beach and compose a calmer version of Roxy music. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a little sleepy, but, you know, good nap on the beach album, maybe.
0: Okay, well, let's uh, let's hear another one. This is Take a Chance With Me. Take a chance, take a chance, take a chance, take a chance, take <laughs> a chance, take a chance, take a chance, take a chance, chance. chance. Different song. Damn it. So it's close. A- so long. I was lost.
2: Yeah, I really enjoyed that track in particular. I enjoyed a lot of tracks on this record, surprisingly. Um, three words I used to describe it are Island in the Clouds. It feels like you're floating listening to this record. Kind of like you're playing uh, Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom, and you're just like floating around up in these clouds, looking down on everybody it's cool i I really did come to like this quite a bit. I think the what sold me on it most is the production and just like the other little details. There's a lot of little subtleties and the way that the tracks are composed I think are very interesting. A lot of them take their time to get to where they're going and I found that usually was pretty rewarding by the time I got there.
0: Yeah my understanding is when they they went in the studio really without any songs written and I think they were just kind of jamming and they would find a groove or they would find a, a sound and then they would just kind of let it develop. And then, you know, all of a sudden they, they turned into songs. And that doesn't necessarily sound like a great approach. Um, but I feel like it, it, it really works out here.
2: Yeah. It works with that, that laid back vibe the record has going. I mean, that track we just listened to there, Take a Chance with Me. I don't think the vocals come in until almost a minute and a half or two minutes into the song. That's, it's just cool. It really gives it a nice vibe and that it works good in the background, but I, I really found it quite engaging on close listens too. You know, it has like that 80s shimmer. You know, there's a lot of synths, obviously. So, it does sound a little bit of the era. Sometimes I get stuck on that 80s sound. <laughs> I can't get, yeah. Yeah, you do. can't get away from it. But that uh, didn't didn't bother me too much in this case.
1: I think it sounds a little ahead of its time, actually. Yeah. This is 82, right? Mm-hmm. And it feels more like, I mean, I'm only talking like five years, more like something from 87. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> you know, it's it's a little new agey. And that's when new age, you know, late 80s when new age music started taken off, and it kind of has that hmm. vibe to it to me. A little, a little Yanni. <laughs> I was thinking more Enya, but uh, sure. <laughs> oh, come on. This is way more interesting than that music, in my opinion. Well, but I mean, the, some of the elements, the, the dreaminess yeah. of the, 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 dreaminess, the instrumentation, yeah. really, more than anything else. So, um, more than this, the first song, probably the, the most recognizable to most, I don't like that. It's too dramatic. What, what's your take
0: on it? I mean, I, well, I love it, but I, I really like, I like the beginning, just that, that ding, ding, ding. It's just like a really cool beginning to the album. You know, there's no yeah. build up. It just hits you. And I actually like that the instrumental part goes on afterwards. So again, sort of just kind of setting the tone or, or sort of setting that, that vibe. But yeah, I mean, it is a kind of a melodramatic song, which is kind of Brian Ferry's thing.
2: It feels the most 82 to me. That's true. How cool is it to put out a record like this at the very talent of your career? You know, they went from being kind of pretty distinct sound or being pretty experimental would you say Don, in earlier in their career and this is like kind of a total 180 from that yeah. I, I was a little surprised by how
1: yeah d- but didn't this kind of inform what his solo sound was like after very much is yeah. he the primary songwriter on all these songs Don or brian
0: yes yeah the other the other two have some co-writing credits but yeah uh brian ferry has the gets the bulk of it and that, that's true you know throughout their um their catalog I, over the years i mean this album has you know really become one of my favorites it's one i listen to a lot and particularly over the over the summer i just kind of zone out listening to this one I'm sitting on a lounge chair so yeah i'm gonna nominate it for the album nerds hall of fame so, I mean, the the Einhoffs are all about great albums. And I think, you know, this is one of those examples of the, you know, the whole being greater than the sum of its parts. I think those two instrumental tracks there uh, with all the saxophone and stuff kind of tie it all together. And I think it's just kind of, you know, one great piece of, of kind of this sort of sophisticated, polished pop rock, or whatever. So um, what do you guys think? I'm
1: gonna... Mm. See, I trust you, Don, but I feel like I need to listen to the discography more before I can say yes. Is that a maybe? So, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna say no for now. Ooh. Can Ooh. I go on? Can I go on or the Discord and vote if I change my mind? <laughs> <laughs>
2: You can, but it only it counts as an audience vote, so no special treatment. Get out of a vote
1: now, or forever hold your peace. I'm sticking with I'm sticking with no because I just I can't intelligently make that that choice because I don't know the rest of their discography well enough. I only know the the other record we talked about. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay, so it's a no from dude. I'm gonna just make you feel even worse and say yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think it's a beautifully, beautifully constructed record. I really did enjoy it quite a bit. And I, yeah, I really have kind of warmed up to their overall sound in general. This doesn't quite fit the template I had in mind for what they sounded like, but I think all the, the details and the subtleties that are around this record really make it
0: pretty compelling. So yeah, I'm in. So Andy is in, but dude is not. Uh, so, I mean, Roxy Music never really cracked the United States and apparently they haven't cracked the, the Ainhoffs. Uh but you can <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <That> <laughs> gross. <laughs> anyway, we, uh, we we
1: we <laughs> it's been a while since we made any kind of uh butt
0: jokes about the Ainhoffs, so well well accidentally placed, Don. <laughs> <laughs> so but the y- you listeners, you can change their fate. Go to albumnerds.com dot com slash discord uh or just go to our website and uh vote to get Roxy Music Avalon in. Excuse me. I'd like to ask you a few questions. All right, it's time for us to ask ourselves a question. Right, so we're, we're dealing with, with summertime records. What are your favorite summertime recreation activities?
2: Andy? It definitely has changed a lot over the years. I really love skateboarding in the summer. I tried doing that a few years ago, and I'm still sore from that. So, couldn't do <laughs> So, uh, wait.
1: You- did you skateboard as a youth and then you came back to it or you were trying to do it for the first time in your 30s? No, I
2: was doing it as a youth listening to Weezer. Okay. Okay. And then uh, came back to it a few years ago in my 40s. Oh, uh,
1: even worse. Yeah.
2: Still recovering. But uh, what I enjoy now, doing now in my later years or is uh, <laughs> <laughs> just sitting on the ground Sitting in the grass, drinking alcohol, uh, you know, Uh, at like a festival. (laughs) uh... (laughs)
1: uh, On our notes, I saw that you said grass and alcohol. I assumed you were talking about uh, the marijuana. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> oh, Not <wow>. actual
1: <laughs> whatever you got
2: out there in the fields it's fine. But, you know you guys ever go to like a baseball game and sit out in the grassy area and just sip a beer or go to like yes. a, a vineyard or something and drink some wine out in the fields I always, I like that get a little tipsy on the grass you don't have very far to, to give it a pass out how about you dude uh,
1: during the summer I'm mostly waiting for the fall to come in football <laughs> uh, as, a, as a kid it was more about running around the neighborhood riding my bike all over town back in the days when you could go unsupervised In a small town in the Midwest and just (laughs) ride your bike for four miles somewhere, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, go crawl around and storm drains and do whatever the hell you felt (laughs) like and just be home for lunch. But yeah, I mean, at this point, summer is more about spending time uh, with family on, you know, doing little weekend outings and and stuff like that. And uh, although I do love fall and winter, they are prohibitive to getting out and about so What about you? What do you do?
0: Well, uh, you know, summer uh, involves uh, a lot of baseball. Well, I I mean, I play in a beer league softball, but, you know, I've always got, um, you know, baseball on TV or on the radio. So uh, it's kind of a a soundtrack to mowing the lawn or sitting outside, uh, listening to a ball game. But I've actually, you know, in recent years, I was introduced to a lawn game called KUB, spelled K-U-B-B. I guess it has kind of Scandinavian origins. KUB. But basically, (laughs) you're trying to... To, uh, knock over these wooden blocks with uh, batons and then there's actually like a king piece in the middle that you have to hit at the end uh, it's been called uh, Viking chess but yeah, I got a couple of people I play that with now and we're, we're trying to you know start a movement it's gonna be the next big thing it's called Koob. the Koob <laughs> movement Wow okay that sounds interesting
2: i like to visit Uranus because summer last 21 years too bad Uranus doesn't have any beaches <laughs>
0: Okay, well, what's your favorite summertime uh, activity? Uh, reach out to us on the socials, Facebook, Instagram, threads. Also, albumnerds.com Discord. Now, I'm going to make a short public
1: address announcement. If you're one of these motherfuckers that has to scream and yell and draw attention to yourself, would you go out in the hallway and do it? That, uh, that's from John Cougar, Camp straight to you guys got anything to say just keep it down this is my this is my rodeo now take
2: off your shirt
0: (laughs) here's johnny all right
1: so (laughs) i'm gonna go with a to me fairly obvious summertime album john cougar mellencamp and his album Uh uh-huh now originally he had a terrible stage name that he hated, Johnny Cougar, uh, and then this was the first album where he got to put his name on it, so then it was John Cougar Mellencamp, and eventually just became John Mellencamp. So why don't we jump into probably the best-known song on the album, Pink Houses.
2: Because a simple man, baby, pays the thrills, the bills, the bills that
1: care, oh, Pink Houses from Aha, uh-huh, the October 1983 album. For me, growing up in the Midwest, the, the this sound is summer, you know, and Pink Houses, you know, the, the town my grandparents lived in had about 300 people in it and I'd visit there in the summer and there's one block of downtown with a two aisle grocery store, nothing but a water tower <laughs> and a grain elevator. You were born in a small town. <laughs> exactly. Wrong album. So, I, th- you know, John Cougar at this time, John Mellencamp at this time, his songs were, had that Americana thing going on. They had the Bruce Springsteen y sort of rebel rock and roll thing going. And I just loved it. It just really it connects with me personally as summertime. The three words I use to describe this album Summer in the Heartland. As I've gotten older, I've learned that there's more to these songs than just celebrating the Midwest. I mean, uh, Pink Houses, for instance, is uh, just a commentary on the American Dream uh, opening with uh, a black man with a black cat living in a black neighborhood that he observed while driving through Indiana, Uh, where the song kind of started. And then the kid with the greasy hair and the greasy smile, listening to rock and roll, and just the stories of different types of people trying to make their way for the American dream that may or may not come true. And that's, I think I sensed depth when I was a kid, but I I didn't totally get it. And he did a good job of making, just like Springsteen did, making songs fun (laughs) <laughs> where you think you're celebrating something, but really you're being right, asked to right. question the thing you're celebrating. And I, I, really, I really dig that, you know, uh, questioning authority. Why don't we uh, jump into the authority song and talk a little bit more about that. Uh,
2: I could say that, uh, you know, about the law and the law won
1: that's right. Well, no, he oh, came oh, up with right. this idea himself. Completely no enjoyed. one else has challenged. Uh,
2: no, I did, I did like that song quite a bit. And I found myself kind of enjoying a of these tracks on here more than I expected to. Uh, three words I used to describe this record. Wave your jean jacket over your head. Definitely, definitely need that.
1: <laughs> I've got several, so. <laughs> yes, it's
2: perfect for that Canadian tuxedo here. Yeah, I think what surprised mo- surprising the most about this record, definitely Springsteen-esque. But there's a lot of swagger, like almost a little bit of Mick Jagger, like kind of strut mm-hmm. going on on some of these tracks. There is. Mm-hmm. Which I wasn't expecting. I think um, John's vocals and also the guitar kind of lean into that side of the music more than I would have expected from this era. So, yeah, I, you know, I am not a huge fan of, of Mellencamp, to be honest, but I have enjoyed the couple of his records that we've reviewed in the show over the last two years. So, my biggest hang up with it probably is a
1: freaking album
0: art, man. It looks like. <laughs> It looks uh, so, so cheesy looking. Is it kind of like a James Dean thing or something? Or?
1: Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, it, it's a it's a drawing as opposed to a photo, and it looks like it's been airbrushed. It's like very soft edges, yeah, and everything. Maybe something that you might have on the back yeah. of your jean jacket. out yeah, that light like, detail, that light, like, yeah. One of those mall kiosks or something. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Those still exist. Those were the worst and the best, depending on your. <laughs> yeah. The airbrush guy right? that would paint your <laughs> jean jacket. Yeah. Anyway, I, I did enjoy the record more or less. So. Yeah. And, and, you know, I should mention this was his seventh studio album. He had been honing this craft for some time fighting with his label uh they wanted him to do one thing and he wanted to do another and so he had some hits off of american fool and then was able to take control and that's why he incorporated his actual name into it and stopped being john cougar and uh the recording of this was him and his band making their own decisions and uh i think that's also the rawness of it i think is part of what makes it fun even when everything's crumbling down (laughs) So there's a lot of fun tracks on here, but why don't we jump to the final track, which is a little more subdued. The least fun track. <laughs> <laughs> That's why Don picked it. Golden Gates.
0: Golden Gates is the, the closing track on the album. Yeah, it seems to be sort of the the theme of the album, you know, you've got this sort of corrupt and chaotic world and all you can really count on is is each other and maybe love or or, or something like that. I mean, the album's quite dark actually, you know, lyrically. Mm-hmm. It's very, you know, people accuse me of listening to depressing music, but this is pretty depressing stuff. It just has like a, you know, a fun twang to it <laughs> and and some energy.
1: Well, yeah, that's that's what that sound did well was allow yeah. people to get messages through because they disguised (laughs) it with fun. (laughs) Yeah,
0: Yeah, like, it's not on this album, but like Jack and Diane, I mean, that's just a, I think that's a really depressing record. Anyway, so the the three words I I chose to describe this album are country of the 2000s. So um, I don't know how closely you guys have followed country music, but... As country started moving towards a more rock sound, this is what it sounded like, right? I mean, a lot of these, these Keith Urban records. Kenny Chesney. Yeah. They they could be John Mellencamp songs. Well, they also mention, they'll
1: say, they'll make a mention to Jack and Diane or they'll say something about Johnny Cougar or whatever. Like there are a lot of references to John Mellencamp in country songs. And he was involved in Farm Aid and the Midwest and the South. Are not completely dissimilar in terms of maybe life, at least in the rural areas. You know,
0: I mean, I've uh, I've always flirted with uh, with with John Mellencamp. I've I've seen him live. Um, I've listened to a, a, a lot of his albums, and overall, you know, I I, I really enjoy him. Uh, Pink Houses is, is just. Like such an epic song, you know, and it has that that sort of climactic part uh, at the end that, uh, that I just uh, really love. It's not just this album, but I think just overall, though, I think Mellencamp is a bit inconsistent with his with songwriting. You know, this album starts out with like the three hits in a row, right? It's got Crumbling Down and Pink Houses and uh, the Authority song. And those, those tracks, again, you know, really stand out. Um, feels like the producer maybe even spent more time on those songs. Because they they recognize the the hit potential, and it, and so it, it makes the other tracks um, I don't know you know feel less less significant. And I would have liked it if if maybe they changed up the track list a little more, sort of balanced it out. Maybe save Authority song yeah. for for side two. I think it's a fair point, man. I totally, I'm on board with you.
1: It's only 36 minutes, so it's basically a,
0: if it was made today, that the whole album <laughs> is <a> side <laughs> one. That's true. So, <laughs> bye. <laughs> That's true. Um, I think um, "Lonesome Jubilee" and "Scarecrow" I think are, are better albums overall, um, even though like some of the s- strongest songs are are on this. Right.
1: I agree. He was taking steps forward with each record and his songwriting was getting more brutally honest and then better phrased (laughs) in some ways. Like Pink Houses is a great example of how well he could phrase things and it only got better. As well as the Authority song. I love use of an of unusual words Mm -hmm. like i fought authority authority always wins like that's could be clunky done by somebody else but it was it somehow smooth as a a
0: kid i had no clue what he was saying right yeah i
1: struggled with that one too (laughs) Uh, what do you guys think of Jackie O, which was written by Mellencamp and John Prine? Mostly Prine, according to John Mellencamp. Can't go around with a little Prine.
0: I mean, I guess I like that that sort of changes up the album a bit, the sonically. Sounds like it's even like a drum machine or something. It's yeah, it's kind of like,
1: it's kinda got like a uh, or Midwestern hairdresser. <laughs> <laughs> You know, kinda. Yeah. It sounds a lot like uh, yeah. Wilco
2: to me. I, I don't know if they covered that song or something, but like oh, yeah. the vocals on the guitar.
1: Yeah. yeah, that's Wilco-y. Yeah, but play guitar is kind of fun. Mm. Love and mother for you. Some uh, swear words, which are unusual in the in 1983 on a record, getting away with it anyway. Kinda has a Rolling Stones Exile on Main Street vibe to it. That strut is really there yeah, on okay. that song. But uh yeah, summertime. Summer or bummer, guys. Summer. Summer. Alright, three summers. All right, go check out Uh-huh by John Mellencamp. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay. So we discussed, you know, three, I guess, uh, albums that said summertime to us. Did we learn anything?
2: Um, yeah, it's a tough one. Um uh, I mean I I enjoy summer right now. I look forward to summer.
0: Yeah, I mean
1: I, sun's out, guns out. Nothing wrong with that. No one can no one can see it, but Andy's rocking a sweet Jaws tank. Trying to get in the mood. You know? He's got uh he's got zinc white stuff on his <laughs> nose too. I think I think he's gonna be doing some lifeguarding later. I was surprised how nostalgic
2: a lot is summer records felt to me. Also from my own use, but also just um, from other people's perspective, like they had a certain idea of what summer sounded like to them, and it maybe didn't match up with what I felt exactly. But so it seemed like it was really tied to memory, and I always thought of summer as being more of like a present day thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's changing a little bit for me, and I think I think this episode did kind of add that layer to it, which I wasn't expecting.
1: That's exactly what I learned as well. That "Songs of Summer" appears to be more about memories and that magical thing that records and music can do where what you were listening to during a certain time defines that time, and then therefore that's right. summer music. The lists I looked at for summer albums, were it was all over the place. And that's when I kind of was like, you know what, I'm just going to internalize this and close my eyes for a second and think, what's a short album <laughs> that yeah. reminds me of summer? And Aha uh-huh came to mind. So, yeah, I, I, I think we learned the same thing, Andy. Huh. I got nothing now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about the one thing
0: Yeah you know I guess I, I don't really Think much about it Like when I'm choosing music for the summer I Still for, for the most part I think I'm just Playing what, what sounds good And so I, I guess it's always Like a goal in my life to make the, the Soundtrack for it you know to be Just you know filled with, with good Music and I don't think it necessarily You know matters what, what season it is And that's one to grow on <laughs>
2: Density, I mean your destiny. All right, boys and girls, children of all ages, gather around, pay homage to our dear friend, <laughs> the mighty Wheel of Musical Destiny. Leave an offering and see what <laughs> our fate has in store for next week.
0: Your musical destiny will
1: once again be taking you on a journey through time. You must explore albums from the year 1990. Be careful out there. 1990.
2: 1990. So, any record that came out during the calendar year of 1990?
0: Wow, we haven't done a year in a while. It's been a fun year. It's
2: kind of a tr- transitional year.
0: That's when I was really musically coming
1: of age, I think. Well, yeah, uh, the new sounds were were brewing.
2: Just a quick reminder, we have ongoing Album Hall of Fame voting for Sliding the Family Stone. There's a riot going on. And last week we have, of course, Roxy Music's Avalon, which also is up for a vote. Depends on you, listening audience. You can go to albumnerds.com and albumnerds.com discord to cast your vote.
0: Hey, yeah, what's your favorite album from nineteen ninety? What's your favorite summertime record? Let us know. Join fellow album nerds on Discord at albumnerds.com discord. You can email us at podcast at albumnerds.com. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and threads at album nerds. Also, please subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. And if you like to support the show you can do so via paypal at albumnerds.com support
1: thank you so much for joining us for this summertime fun on the album nerds podcast we'll catch you next time with some records from 1990 Thanks, us
2: listen everybody cool. catch you poolside
0: hot town summer in the city back of my neck getting dirt and gritty there ain't no cure for the summertime please. summer breeze Makes me feel fun.
2: That's like a jukebox over here. I think I'm
0: out. That is the sound of something. It is. it is.
2: I love that sound, actually. It's nice.